When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Isabel Hauser, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away and will bring you back safely. A few weeks ago, my sweetheart and I went to Corfu to soak up some heat and sunshine before the cold of the dark season descends upon us. Corfu is a Greek island in the Ionian Sea, only a stone's throw from Albania. One afternoon, we rented a motorboat to explore the bays and beaches around the place where we were staying. It was magnificent. The sun was beaming, sending the water a glimmer as our small vessel plowed through the waves. My sweetheart was at the helm of the boat while I was lounging at the prow, the wind in my hair and the sun on my face. In a remote bay, we dropped the anchor. The water was still so deep we couldn't quite see the ground, but crystal clear, shades of turquoise and sapphire. We dangled our feet in the water and watched small fish flitting past, their scales glittering like tiny rainbows. Do you believe mermaids truly exist? I asked my sweetheart. He gave the question a polite moment's thought and then said, No, no, I don't think so. And then a moment later he cried, Ouch! What did you do that for? The first teller for this episode is Laura Deal. Laura is a storyteller, writer, dream reader and teacher with a wide variety of artistic and social interests. She has been the new voice at Stone Soup Storytelling Festival, performed at the Boulder Fringe Storytelling Festival and has delighted audiences at many an online event, such as the Women's Storytelling Festival. Please enjoy Laura Deal telling the story of Diff and Daffer Taffy Cafe. Once upon a time, in the mountains not too far from here, there was a wide valley just above a narrow canyon. And in that valley, cucumbers were the only crop that anyone could grow. So long before our story starts, Penelope Pilster, then a young woman, established a pickling operation she called the Pickle Emporium. Penelope's pickles sold far and wide, and a small town she named Pickle Gulch grew up around her business. It was a company town. Every family had at least one person who worked for Penelope's Pickle Emporium. Now our story starts many decades later when Penelope was a grandmother. It had been a hard year with a drought that settled in like an old cat on a soft bed, and that summer the cucumber plants began to wilt. If the drought continued, they wouldn't have enough cucumbers to pickle. And if they couldn't make pickles, Penelope wouldn't be able to pay the people who worked at her emporium. Everyone in Pickle Gulch was worried, even Polly Pilster, Penelope's granddaughter, who was ten. Polly was usually a happy person, but she could tell all the grown-ups were worried, 
especially Grandmother Penelope. Polly didn't like everyone being so glum. One day, Polly's mother said, Polly, you've got a second cousin coming for a visit, and she's ten, just like you. Her name is Muffy Diffendaffer, and her grandmother is Grandmother Penelope's sister. That cheered Polly right up. When are they coming? This afternoon, on the train. Grandmother Penelope is going to pick them up in her car at three. Can I go with her? No, there won't be room in the car, but you could ride your bike there. Polly couldn't wait. It would only take her ten minutes to ride her bike to the train station, but she got it out an hour early. She rode slowly past the park and the post office and the pickle emporium. The summer sun strengthened the smell of sour pickles, but Polly didn't hurry by. Still, she got to the station with a long time to wait on the bench. Grandmother Penelope got there early, too, and sat down beside Polly. After a few minutes, Grandmother said, No train, no rain. Her mouth was as sour as a pickle as she glowered at the only cloud, a puny, puffy, no-rain cloud. Polly didn't want to think about the drought, but after that she couldn't stop looking at the sky. Even the little cloud was disappearing. Soon the sun had the big blue sky all to itself. It made Polly thirsty. Finally the train rolled in and a whole family got out. Grandmother Penelope said, Hello, Duffy. The dad, Duffy, smiled a great big smile. He was a burly man with a bushy beard. Aunt Penelope, this is my family, my wife Miffy, daughter Muffy, and the baby Patapoof. Well, Muffy and Polly were friends as soon as they laid eyes on each other. Polly rode her bike hard and kept up with Grandmother's car all the way to Grandmother's house as Muffy smiled and waved through the window. At the house, while they all sat around having lemonade and pickle snacks, Grandmother told Duffy how nice it was that he'd come to visit, and he said, We didn't come to visit. We came to stay. I'm going to open the Diffendaffer Taffy Cafe. Grandmother gasped. Taffy? But everyone in Pickle Gulch makes pickles. Duffy said, Not anymore. My granddaddy Diffendaffer made taffy, and so do I. The machines and ingredients came with us on the train. We're ready to open up shop. All we need is a space. Polly wished hard that Grandmother would find a space for the Diffendaffers in Pickle Gulch. Grandmother Penelope pursed her lips. You should know that the people of Pickle Gulch are particular. We like pickles, not sweet treats. I doubt you'll get much business, but if you want to stay, we'll find room. To Polly's delight, the Diffendaffers decided to stay and open their taffy cafe anyway. It didn't take long before the Diffendaffer Taffy Cafe was open for business. The taffy pulling machine stretched and folded the taffy, and the bins were full of different flavors. Unfortunately, Grandmother Penelope was right. The people of Pickle Gulch peered in the windows, but only Polly went in. The Diffendaffers didn't seem worried, though, and Polly loved helping at the Diffendaffer Taffy Cafe. She helped Muffy mix the taffy and wrap the taffy. She tasted every flavor. They made chocolate, vanilla, butterscotch, and toffee taffy. They made strawberry, blueberry, pecan, and peach. 
When those flavors didn't bring in the buyers, they tried new ones. Gooseberry, Juneberry, Blackberry, Raspberry, Pomegranate, Papaya, Pineapple, and Plum. Pretty soon, the Diff and Daffer Taffy Cafe was full of taffy, but the Diff and Daffers hadn't sold one piece. One day, Polly and Muffy walked with Grandmother Penelope into the cucumber fields. With all the fun she'd been having, Polly had almost forgotten the drought. Grandmother Penelope cried, Look at my parched plants. The summer sun is scorching them. If we don't get clouds and rain, we'll lose the whole crop, and we won't be able to make any pickles this year. Polly puzzled on the problem. Muffy said, Let's get out of the heat and go talk at the Diff and Daffer Taffy Cafe. So Penelope went with them and told the Diff and Daffers about Pickle Gulch's plight. We've tried bringing water to the fields, but it's not enough. We have too little water and too much sun. The water just dries up. Everyone thought and thought. Then Polly whispered to Muffy, and Muffy whispered to Polly, and they began to smile. Grandmother Penelope, Polly said, we have an idea. First, we have to make a lot of taffy. Polly told Grandmother Penelope to ask the people of Pickle Gulch to meet them in the cucumber fields in one hour. Why? Penelope asked. We're going to save the cucumbers. Polly and the Diffendaffers mixed up all the ingredients they had in big bowls. They filled baskets and barrels and bowls with taffy. They hauled it all in a big truck to the parched fields of Pickle Gulch. All the townspeople were waiting. Polly and Muffy stood on the truck to announce their idea. With the help of everyone here, we're going to stretch this taffy into a giant tent. Then the cucumbers will have shade. And if you get hungry, you can taste the taffy. The people muttered, they murmured, they mumbled to themselves. A taffy tent? Preposterous! Penelope exclaimed. Just try it, Polly said. If we don't do something, the crop will die. You told us that yourself. So Grandmother Penelope agreed to try. The people pulled and stretched the taffy. They grabbed great gobs of it. Slowly the tent grew. One by one, the townspeople tried tasting the taffy. They smiled and licked their fingers. Finally, when they had stretched the taffy into a big tent, the people of Pickle Gulch cheered for Polly and Muffy and the wonderful Diff and Daffer Taffy Cafe. That tent held until at last the rains came, and then the taffy dissolved into the ground. The pickles that year were the sweetest ones ever made in Pickle Gulch. And to celebrate, Polly and Muffy made a new flavor of taffy, pickle taffy, just for the people of Pickle Gulch. The fairy tale sponsor for this episode is Sweet Spices by Gingerbread Man. Spice up your kitchen with sweet spices by the one and only Gingerbread Man. Find savory mixtures to give your meats, fishes, salads and vegetables that extra kick. Discover blends of herbs and salts to add a unique flavor to your cuisine. And of course, the limited edition rainbow pepper, which will give your creations not only a sparkle, but also an actual taste of wonderland. If you wish to transform your desserts, then delve into the wide and fragrant range of spices, from warm vanilla to allspice and our all-time favorite, the tonka bean, and so much more. Sweet Spices by Gingerbread Man. Spice up your life now. 
We have received a glowing new review from hashtag waffles in the US. It goes like this. I love this podcast. Emojis. It is magical. More emojis. This is the best podcast ever. The stories are so fun. More emojis. I just love it. Me and my family listen to it in the car all the time. It is really amazing and fun and great. Thumbs up. The stories are really funny and everyone in the world should love it. My whole family loves it and I think my guinea pigs do as well. Thank you so much for this. We are delighted that your entire family, up to and including your pets, enjoy the stories. We'd love for the whole world to love our stories, and reviews like yours help more story lovers find and enjoy the show. May all your car rides be fun and great, and the destinations be full of pleasant surprises. And if you, dear listener, would like to see all the emojis included in this review, then head on over to Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, why not leave a review yourself? Wink, wink. You can also support the podcast by becoming a patron. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash story story podcast or storystorypodcast.com to sign up for as little as $4 a month. In return, you'll receive goodies and will tell you about your unique magical ability. A warm thank you to all the patrons who make this podcast possible. You are the dollop of whipped cream on our pumpkin spice lattes. My sweetheart winced. What happened? I didn't do anything. He looked at me confused. Someone kicked me really hard. And if it wasn't you, then who was it? A giant fish that took a nibble? We both paused for a moment. Well, we are on the sea and you've just said that you don't believe in mermaids. My sweetheart opened his mouth, then closed it again, rubbing his foot. For a safe measure, we leaned over the railing of the boat and checked if the water was quite literally clear. When it was, we dove in and swam to the shore, a deserted pebbly beach. Standing on the beach, dripping, we looked out onto the water, where our boat gently bobbed on the azure expanse. It was a moment of quiet magic. What if, I whispered, what if you entertained the thought of the probability of a mermaid's existence, just for a little bit? My sweetheart smiled. I could do that, but you do know that I would need proof. There were no seashells to be found on the pebbly beach, but the rocks were smooth as silk. We tried to find one in each color to lay a stone rainbow on the ground. It's a lot of fun, you should try it. When we finished the rainbow, we waded back into the water and returned to our boat, my sweetheart leading the way. When I climbed up the ladder, he stood on the deck, still dripping, agape. What's the matter? I asked. He didn't say a word, only pointed to the bench. And there, on his still folded towel, was a shimmering seashell. The second teller for this episode is Marie Robertson, storyteller, author, public speaker, and, my favorite part, lover of unicorns. Hello, fellow unicorn enthusiast! 
Marie was born and raised in Ottawa, Canada, where she lives, writes, and performs to this day. She loves telling stories to people of all ages and also brings the art of storytelling to her job as a federal public servant. There, she teaches a workshop focusing on mental health and personal storytelling. She also loves a good party, so if you'll invite her, she'll bring the stories and cookies. And now, please enjoy Marie telling the French-Canadian folktale of the flying bathtub. Long enough ago, there lived a man who loved nothing more than to take a nice, long bath. Every morning he would waltz into his washroom, and after soaking for several hours in warm, soapy water, he would emerge all squeaky clean, smelling like a rose. Of course, after spending hours in the tub, there weren't many hours left in the day for him to get any work done. His wife, Clara, on the other hand, she never wasted a second of her day. She was hard-working and never slowed down for a second because there was always so much work to do in the house and in the orchard outside. Oh, sure, she didn't spend hours steeping in hot water like her husband, but she was still just as clean. Oh, but did her husband's bathing habits get on her nerves. Clara couldn't remember the last time she'd even seen the bottom of their bathtub. She had even given him the nickname of Mr. Prune, because every time he waltzed out of the washroom, he was doing a pretty good impression of one. Now, Clara may have had the patience of an angel, but even angels have their limits. And on this particular day, Clara lifted her arms to the sky and cried out, Is there anyone in heaven or on earth who can get my husband out of his damnable bathtub? No answer. And elsewhere in the house, Mr. Prune continued to do what he did best, bobbing in his tub under a mountain of bubbles, completely deaf to Clara's desperate plea. But autumn was coming. There were apples to be picked from the orchard, and if they didn't get picked in time, there would be no apple pies, no preserves, no apple sauce, no savory cider. On this day that Clara was bemoaning her fate, a young boy happened to pass by Mr. Prune's house and overheard her cries. Well, hello, ma'am. My name is John, and this sounds like good, honest work for me. I'm going to help you pick all your apples before the cold gets here. You'll see. Clara hired him on the spot. She felt a bit better now that she had an extra pair of hands that weren't holding a bar of soap, but still she couldn't help but worry. Oh, winter is coming so soon. You and I will never have time to pick everything, John. Oh, what luck I have, being married to a man whose buttocks are permanently sealed to the bottom of a bathtub. Don't fret about a thing, ma'am, said John. Just wait, you'll see that I am worth a dozen men. John said no more. He busied himself with grabbing all the empty baskets, climbing to the top of the first apple tree, and hanging these baskets from the branches. What on earth are you doing there? Clara asked. She was a bit surprised, as she'd never seen anyone pick apples like that before. Wait and see, John said. He parked himself squarely in front of the apple tree. As Clara watched, John took a first, a second, and a third big breath. It's like the kid was trying to suck all the air out of the world to the point that his entire face was transfigured by the process. 
His ears stuck out and his nose became longer. His eyes became tiny little pinpricks and his cheeks became round and scarlet like juicy apples from the tree. And then, finally, he exhaled. And it was like a hurricane poured out of little John's mouth. A noise like a storm wind rattled the trees as John's breath surrounded the apple tree, shook it like a twig until all the apples bounced into the baskets he'd hung from the branches. It's a miracle, Clara yelled. Every single apple has fallen into the baskets. I've never seen anything like it. John was pretty proud of himself. He didn't waste a second. Again and again, he picked up the basket, set them in the branches of all the trees in the orchard, and blew them all down one by one until every basket was overflowing with beautiful, shiny red apples. Once the job was done, John brushed off his hands and turned to Clara. Now winter can come with no problem. I'm sure you'll make plenty of pies and cakes and we'll enjoy them all. Oh, thank you, thank you, Clara said over and over again. Please, let me pay you double for the work you did. I will never forget this. John was pretty touched to see Clara so happy, not to mention so generous. He couldn't help but want to make her even happier. Before I go, ma'am, is there anything else I can do for you? Is there a wish I could grant you? Is there something you've always dreamed of? Hmm, now that you mention it, <laughs> Clara said, if I could make any wish in this entire world, it would be that my dear husband, Mr. Prune, would unstick his bottom from the bathtub and get out of the washroom already to finally get some work done. Easy peasy, said John. John walked over to the house, stood in front of it, hooked his thumbs in his suspenders, and planned his next move. He took a very deep breath, and then another, and finally a third. Once again, his ears stuck right out, and his nose stretched right out, and his eyes shrunk to little tiny points, and his cheeks bulged out like the biggest, reddest apples. Clara thought he was going to explode this time for sure, until finally... John released his powerful breath into a straight line toward the front of the house. Bang went the front door as the wind rushed inside, furious as a hurricane. And bang went the washroom door, kicked down by the mighty wind. But the wind didn't stop there. It whooshed under the tub and picked it up right into the air. Like a boat, tossed about by invisible waves, the bathtub rose in the air, going around and round in the sky and through the clouds, up and down and side by side and high and low and slow and fast, while Mr. Prune held on to the sides of the tub for dear life. By now, a crowd of curious people had gathered to watch the spectacle, shouting at the man to not jump, don't jump, sir, or else the fall out of the bathtub might kill him. One of the men gathered in the crowd said, uh, You know, that looks a bit like, uh, what is it, uh, Noah's Ark. Oh, no, 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 said another. It looks like that time uh, Jack went tumbling down the rapids of the river, only, uh, you know, it's, it's up in the sky. The more our dear traveler yelled and struggled, the higher the bathtub rose in the sky. The entire town was now gathered to watch, and Clara, of course, was enjoying the show most of all. Looks like you're having a wonderful trip up there, my dear husband, 
and you don't even have to leave your tub. It just looks to me like you need to get your sea legs. <laughs> Eventually and gradually the tornado subsided as John finally ran out of breath. The tub landed without ceremony on the roof of the tallest hotel in town. A hotel worker hurried out to offer the poor castaway a bathrobe. To escape the mockery of the crowd, Mr. Prune hurried down the back staircase of the hotel, hiding his face the whole way home. And boy, was he happy to be home, far, far away from that cursed bathtub, still perched on top of the town hotel. Lesson learned. After his little trip to the sky, well, Mr. Prune, he is now a new man, more than happy to get down to some hard work. It wasn't long before he was busy making cider and peeling apples for Clara to make her delicious pies. Now that his bathtub is gone, though, Mr. Prune has started putting money aside. But the money isn't to replace his tub with a new one, but to buy himself a state-of-the-art, high-pressure shower. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show the love. Find Laura Deal at lauradeal.com and Marie Robertson at marievrobertson.com. Tell them you heard them on the podcast and now want to hear them tell more stories. If you have questions or comments for the podcast, you can send them to us at storystorypodcast at gmail.com. You can also connect with me directly at isabelhauser.com. If you get in touch, let me know the favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you will hear them here soon. The inspiration for the fairy tale sponsor was a spices shop I discovered on my trip to Corfu, Greece. The true fairy tale was also inspired by that holiday. The music, as always, is by Paddington Bear. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. Consider becoming a patron or joining the mailing list to get podcast goodies or writing a review on Apple Podcasts, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the show. You will hear more stories next week, but until then, live happily ever after. Mary-Kate opened up the door and there on the doorstep wrapped in his own blanket... And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal court.